Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Stores, Spotify, and now YouTube Music. Yes, for those not so technically minded, Google Play is being wound up and rolled into YouTube Music. So there's our PSA for the episode. So if you're an Android user, make sure you check this out in the not-too-distant future on YouTube Music. This is Anthony the Bull Caruso, and we continue to our build-up to what will be one of the most hotly anticipated seasons of New South Wales Premier Cricket in some time. With COVID-19 hampering many tours and placing many restrictions on competitions, we could be seeing more regular appearances of big names within the world's best club cricket competition. Of course, we will be returning now to Bear Park for a special profile episode. One that has had water coolers all over Sydney buzzing with his thoughts about club culture and the direction of Cricket New South Wales. Of course, I can't do this alone. I need a bowling partner to help apply the blowtorch. So who better to get coming up from the northern end of the Linwood Avenue than the wise man himself, Matt Mears? Uh, well, hello, Mr. Caruso. Hello to everybody. It's great to be back on Splinters, obviously, with uh, the, how the rest of Triple H Sport is going at the moment. Haven't had been able to spend too much time with everybody on Splinters. It's great to be back, as always. Now, as we mentioned... Our guest tonight is a person who knows how to break the mould. He was originally a Manly junior. He has taken his cricketing life to new heights since leaving Manly Oval for the historic North Sydney Oval, the home of one of the oldest clubs in the competition, the North Sydney Bears. As we discussed in our previous episode with Rob Lavery and Jack James, the Bears have had a renaissance over the last three years. Last week, we talked about the partnership between the Bears and UTS around the Elite Athletes Program and the opportunities that it gives kids to further their sporting opportunities while ensuring that they maintain a healthy level of study to secure their futures. Tonight, we talk about what is being done internally within the club and how one builds a strong club culture. He is part of the digital team at Fox Sports, one that has a very strong opinion about the direction of cricket for the future. And following his interview with our good friends at Today's Tale, we're giving him a further platform to express his rather excellent opinions. He has been with us on the bench a couple of times in the past, but tonight he makes his debut on Splinters. Please welcome the club captain of UTS North Sydney, Sam Alexander. Oh, no, lads. What a treat this is, eh? How about that for an introduction, Caruso? Bloody hell. That's hey, good. We, when, we, when we do introductions, we do it properly here. Mate, so I uh, want to know how much you paid him, Sammy. Yeah, fair dinkum. My shoulders are back. I'm feeling fresh. I can tell you what I've been paid with. There's a contract, I think, on its way, isn't there, Sam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just sign yeah. a contract, mate. I, I, got, I got Andrew Drosher to uh, tick off on it for you, mate. So it's all sort <laughs> I thought you were going to set him up with Roseville. Yeah, yeah, he wishes. He wishes. <laughs> Look, culture. It is what makes or breaks a sporting club. No amount of money can buy culture, but we know it can help. Um, you still need personal on, personnel on the ground, though, driving ambitions at the club and having everyone involved with the club aligned as one on your pathway to success. Tonight, we will look at the work that has been done to turn around a club like UTS North Sydney, which had fallen on hard times from the turns of the previous decade, into a club that is now challenging for trophies. What are the secrets? What are the ambitions in the short term, and where does the club aim to be within three years' time? 
And no, there will be no mention of a certain five-year plan at a certain NRL club in a certain area of Western Sydney imposed by a certain individual contractor to a certain TV station. Given that we are one of the biggest personalities in New South Wales Premier Cricket, we'll be having some fun with Sam as well as we also go looking for some genuine dirt at UTS North Sydney. And God, we know Sam will have plenty of it. We are all about throwing someone under the bus here, and there will be plenty of opportunities to do so. The umpires are in place. It is ticked over to commence play, so let's get started. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM and streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. We're going to get started with the show now with uh, with looking at the development of club culture. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough development. It's, it's something that's very enduring. So we're going to dig into our guests' minds. So, Matt, I think you've got the first question there. I certainly do, Mr. Caruso. Sammy, so to build that club culture that you've got going there at UTS North Sydney, you need to have your grounding in experiences, good and bad in the past. Who was your inspiration for developing that club culture? And were there any specific ideas that you held on to that you looked in looked to implement as you were going through your journey at, at UTS North Sydney? Oh, look, well, you mentioned inspiration. It'd be hard, uh, and, and it kills me to say this. Apologies for the background noise, by the way, lads. I'm uh, just entering my humble abode. But, um, yeah, look, it, it'd be hard for me to go past my good friend Billy Darcy. Um, obviously, we did a lot of good things together over at Manly, and I think, like, we, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like we really built a good camaraderie amongst the lads there. We, You know, a lot of people don't realise how much organisation goes into Look, even just getting 30 blokes together to have a good time, um, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, you just, you know, snap your fingers and everyone turns up. But the key is to really make it easy for everyone. You know, you need to you need to essentially lay everything on a platter for everyone so they can just turn up and have a good time. Um, so I guess I kind of took a lot of that stuff. And while, while, while some of that stuff was kind of looked upon sometimes in a, in a bad light over at Manly, um, we took a lot of those... I guess it took a lot of those uh, principles and things like that over to North Sydney where it felt to me like they were crying out for someone to just take charge and um, just put some things in place, you know, to, to, to get that, get, you know, I don't know. I feel like the term culture is thrown around so much these, like, so much it's probably overused, but North Sydney were probably crying out for someone to come in, get everyone together and really... You know, just drive, drive that, drive that, drive that camaraderie, drive that team spirit to like, you know, get people down supporting PG, supporting first grade. Um, I know we didn't make too many friends over at Gordon last season. When <laughs> I, I don't know if you've always heard about that one, but you know, our PGs played um, Gordon PGs in the semi final, and you know, I said, lads, Gordon, Gordon famously don't have too many supporters at their home games. I said we're going to get more, we're going to get more supporters for the Bears at Chatswood Oval than Gordon have for themselves. So we essentially, like, I've, you know, kind of put it all together, just said, lads, like, turn up, it's going to be great. Um, and, yeah, we essentially, like, took over their home ground. And the boys are like, you know, there was essentially an extra fielder on, on the ground. So, um, yeah, I, it's just kind of building that stuff, putting it together and just making it a really fun place to play. I, I guess that's the, that's the main, main point of the whole thing. Now well, you said, were, uh, sorry, Caruso, but yeah, I was just going to say, like, to be able to do that, something is really impressive. I know myself and Caruso, we we have our roles within cricket off the field, and half the time it's it's just an it, it's just. 
to get a player to turn up to a game, he thinks he's doing you the biggest favour in the world just for playing. And it's like, well, that's what we're here for. That's supposed to be the fun part. It's everything else that you should feel like that you should need to do. So, mate, I can just give you all the props in the world that if you can get those sort of people come along and if you can provide that atmosphere where people want to be involved and, and do those extra that's just beyond turning up and playing mate you said once you can get into that that's what builds a club so mate maybe maybe i'll have to study if i can piggyback onto this uh, caruso bears uh, contract as well oh yeah that'd be ideal because yeah look the, the whole the whole essentially the whole thing is about making everyone realize you know uh, not to sound corny and everything like that but you know you're part of I, I hate myself for saying it. You're part of a family. So, mm. you know, you all turn up. And, you know, essentially, when you join a club, you've now got 60 new mates. And, and there's nothing, like, there's no better feeling than just getting everyone together and doing something together as a team and getting behind your own club. And I think the sooner people realise that and accept it and get around it, they, you know, you don't realise how much fun you can have. And we're doing that massively now, you know. Um, and it's just going from strength to strength to strength. We've had so many great guys come over from UTS. We've had heaps of guys come into the club who have just gone, yep, yeah, I'm all about it, taking it, you know, head on. And there's been a lot of guys who have filtered out who really didn't buy into the club at all. So it's, you know, since UTS has come in, it's just been absolutely ideal because I had all these great blokes come in who are all for the club. They want to play well on Saturday, but they want to enjoy being part of it. You know, we play cricket to be part of a club. Like, you know, but me personally, I've had jobs where they're like, oh, we want you to work weekends. And I've said no because or you have to stop playing cricket. But it's like, no, because cricket is such a big part of my life. And it's the 60 blokes, all the staff, you know, all these relationships that you build. You take that away, there's a huge hole in your life. So, you know, when you can make people realise that and want to get around something, it's just, you know, there's no better feeling. And that's been the best part about UTS, especially coming in. As I said, there's guys who have filtered out who just really didn't care about anything else other than, as you said, Mizzy, they turn up on a Saturday and they think that's all they have to do. It's like, no, 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 you're only – that's like that's like 1% of what the club is about, you know. So we're in such a good spot at the moment. Um, the best part as well, like, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously either. It's it's just a really – it's a really good place to be a part of. The, you know, everyone on the committee is – look, they get it. They, they, they know how to run a club. They understand it and they know what we're trying to achieve. But they're also – you know, they also get what it's like to be a 20-year-old something who's part of a club who's excited and wants to have fun, join themselves. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe carry on a little bit and, you know, step on a few toes. But they get that. And, you know, that was, that was probably one of the things that started to diminish, you know, previous places I've been because it's it's almost like some, some people or some some clubs or things like that seem to take themselves too seriously. And it's like... There seems to be this thing going through amateur cricket at the moment where guys have got this perception of themselves as though they're a professional cricketer. They can't, <laughs> you know. Do you, do you, like, do you get You're that? talking to Caruso here, you remember? Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. But <laughs> like, it, it blows. It's one of these. It's one of my one of my many gripes is that like, it's like you guys need to understand that this is amateur cricket, and you know, you, you're walking around. You got this. You got this aura about you. You think you're the man, but it's like no, no, no. You pay you six hundred bucks a year to play like anyone else. Like you're nothing special. Um, just no one's looking at you. No one's taking note of what you're doing. No one cares. Just have fun, enjoy yourself, and enjoy your teammates. Enjoy the club that you play for and love it. Like you know, say it loud rather than being like, oh, I need to be uptight and out of sight. And it's like people put on this 
robotic kind of like facade where they need to be like it's like it's like pr like the pr driven rubbish that we consume all the time online like you know every cricketer new south wales cricketer every league player gets fed fed this pr script to read at press conferences i got guys playing second grade who think they need to talk the same way it's like mate you're a plumber (laughs) on the weekend you know you're a plumber during the week and you're a second grade cricketer on the weekend just be normal you know you don't need to like you don't need whoops, excuse me you don't need to spin this absolute rubbish um because no one cares just have fun enjoy yourself you know stop stop getting carried away with who you think you are what the perception is and you know I feel like that's happening at a few clubs. They're starting to get a bit carried away with who they think they are. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, you are a product of the Manly Ringer Pathway Program, a development program that has been replicated across many clubs in New South Wales Premier Cricket and, indeed, with Sydney Shires Cricket. Um, tell us the initial experiences and what lessons you took with you over to UTS North Sydney, especially with fostering the relationship not only with UTS but also with Roseville. Um. Look, I, I, playing at Warringah, I, I certainly matured a lot in the couple of years that I spent there. Um, you know, look, looking back, I can, I, I can certainly there were certainly a few things that opened up my eyes. Um, look, Warringah was a really great place of everyone, which I didn't realise at the time. I probably took it for granted at the time that everyone got back to the club after a game. You know, I was only sixteen. I couldn't wait to get back to the clubhouse and, um, you know, they do the man of the match speeches and. You know, if you're 16, if you're 16, they make you skull a can of coke in front of everyone. And I just loved it. I remember thinking this is the best thing ever. And you know, my brother used to blow up because he used to have to drive me home to Avalon, and he'd be like, "Mate, I'm in the car, I'm in the car park," and I'm like, "Just another half an hour, mate." And he's blowing up, but I loved it. I think I think Warringah really showed me what a good culture was about. Um, and then yeah, that fed into Manly as well. You know, we had such a good time. I mentioned Billy before. You know, I remember the first. First few years, I was pretty quiet there, but like we, we always had a good time. I was just still kind of finding my feet. And then from about 2014, 2016, Billy and I were just like leading the way, just making every social event great, trying to get as many people involved as possible. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, it seemed to seemed to kind of take a turn down there, like probably, you know, not to speak out of school, but it kind of seemed to take on this... So, uh, it started to go down that path of what I was mentioning before where I don't, me personally it felt like no matter what I did if anything went wrong it was all my fault um, you know and, and people have their opinions about that but that's just mine um, so I feel like I feel like in terms of a in, in, culture wise it started to die off a little bit because it just felt like you could never you know you hear all these stories about what certain people did in the 80s and things like that, you know, which was a, a lot worse than what we would do. And, you know, they're constantly telling you about how good it was and we did this and we did that. And then you do something that's, you know, fun. It might have a hiccup along the way and you get absolutely castrated for it. So that, that got a bit much uh, personally. That, that really got quite, quite frustrating. Every Monday you get a phone call telling you what a prick you are. Um, and then I go over to North Sydney do all the same stuff and I get the I get the committee calling me on a Monday saying this is brilliant you know we haven't had camaraderie like this in ages everyone's loving each other everyone's getting around it what a great job um so you know it's gone to chalk and cheese and I think that boils down to what I was saying before where people possibly get a bit carried away with um their perception and you know how people perceive them what their image is like I, I can't I can't say it enough at the end of the day it's amateur cricket um you're there to have fun get behind your own club 
Um, and if you burn some bridges along the way, well, that, that's just how it is. Well, as I said, I've, I've heard a bit about them, about these two myself, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Some of the biggest impacts for UTS North City in their recovery was the Crossway brothers coming across from Manly. What did they do differently at North Sydney and how did that resonate through the club? Oh, look, it was the, it was the level of um, professionalism that they brought over. I think, um, look, you know, especially Adam, um, Adam is just a natural, he's probably the most natural leader I've ever met in my entire life. He's just one of those guys when, when he speaks, he listens and, you know they've won they've won so so many cricket games and they they were both extremely successful at Manly and other clubs have played at. So they came in and look, it was kind of like yeah, it was almost like you know if you're playing if you're playing football you came and you went from Manchester to United and came into a club battling for relegation. You know like there'd be like you know they would have come in seen a lot of things that probably weren't up to scratch and that needed changing. Um, and there was a few really quick fixes that came in. Um, just really, it was really like basic stuff. There was, North mm. probably weren't doing the basics right as soon as they came over, um, and that stuff that we took for granted at Manly. Look, look, you know, at Manly, all that, all those one percenters and that, you know, turning up to training two days a week, turning up to the game on time, wearing the right kit, um, you know, knowing the words of the song when you win a game, pretty like basic stuff, fielding, doing fielding training. Um, you know, that was all. And having fielding coaches and talking about the game on the weekend and getting together with your team, they were, they were all stuff that we did at Manly and we just assumed every club did. Uh, and then we came over to the North and it, and it wasn't the case. Um, so Adam and James kind of set that foundation. They were pretty vocal. Todd Toddy as well, Todd Harper came over. And like, Toddy's been absolutely integral into uh, with everything, uh, with the path that we've, we've been going on and, and all the... Um, all the kind of, you know, the leaps and bounds, all the progress that we've made. Toddy, you know, I can't, I can't speak more highly of his impact. He's just completely taken it on. Um, no one spends more time thinking about the club than he does. And, he, you know, he's just, he, he's another guy that when, when he speaks, we all listen. Um, and he's really, he's really got some good things to say. Uh, you know, he says how he feels and we all take that on board. So, the, the con- there was just there was just enough guys who knew how to win and knew how to operate, driving it in the right direction. Then you get then you throw UTS in the mix. Um, obviously, Adam and James, where, where they left, UTS took off. So it, it's just it's just going. You know, Norse, as you said in your last uh, podcast last week, they've been going through a pretty rough patch. Now, you know, the opportunities are endless. There's just so many good guys coming through. The connection with Roseville's great. Roseville's been awesome. They're, they're, it's essentially like the Warringah Manly partnership. Roseville are just great. Um, they're developing some really good young guys, and and you know they're more than accommodating if if we want to pick them for great cricket. So, you know, it's all good things at the moment. Well, that's yeah. the, the one. Sorry, Caruso. Just before we move on, just the one thing I, I've heard from guys in the the lower sort of grades of North Sydney is the diff like, that were there before the Crossbreak Brothers came in was just the difference in intensity that they brought to training. So like you're saying there before, those one percenters, it just, they felt that training had a purpose. So before it used to be, yeah, you'd turn up, you'd bat your bowl, your field, but you're just going through the motions. When they came along, you were, you were there for a purpose. You were there to train it just brought that to that next extra level. So I think that sort of ties in with that as well. I said, if you can get those younger guys 
that are that are sort of feel like they're just there. They're just making up the numbers. You get them involved and and get them really wanting to participate and really thinking that they, that they should be here and be training to this sort of level. That can only be good things for the club. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I, I can't I can't speak too much for trainings before I turned up because um, mm. I came with the crossweights. I do I do know that there was a bit of lack of direction and mm. everyone was probably training at seventy percent. You know, you can there'd be guys sitting around and no one would really bat an eye. Whereas we kind of came over and before me and my brother came over as well with with the crossies, both of them said to us, "Look, you know, we're, we're new here. We've got to lead from the front." Um, so Matt and I kind of took that in our stride as well. And, um, we all tried to do that extra stuff that we, we'd just become accustomed to at Manly. So, you know, if someone's sitting around, you'd go, Hey, like, you know, what, what are you doing? Or let's go do some catches. There's no more sitting around, no one on their phones. Everyone's actively doing something. And, you know, there was guys saying, Oh, we haven't done fielding training in who knows how long. So, you know, we're trying to get fielding drills and things like that going. Um, it was all trying to set an example and that's just, you know, look, the foundation was there. Like, there were still heaps of guys at North doing the right thing. Guys like Ollie Knight, like, you know, Tom Jago, Justin Avendano. There was, there was, there was guys that know what they need to do to win. Um, but Crossy's probably just tried to help bring that all together. Let's go to the um, – we'll go to the next one. And every club needs a clubman, someone who lives and breathes the club and has been involved for years. UTS have been blessed to have three who have been pivotal in the club, staying alive in particular during its dark years. And I am uh, talking about, of course, about the Aiken brothers. You know, how much have they influenced your time at UTS North Sydney? Oh, yeah. I can't speak – I can't speak wholly enough of the, of the Aikens, all, all three of them. Um, you know – Robbie's probably the nicest bloke I've ever met in my entire life, and he's just an absolute legend um, in the nets. You know, he does some he does some magical things with the ball, and he and he absolutely whacks them with the bat. And he's always there to help anyone out. Out if if anyone goes up to him and says, "Can I get some help with this?" He's the first to say, "Yep, come on, I'll get I'll help you out." The bloke's played about a million years of first grade. He's <laughs> crazy. So, oh, and I'd heard great things about Rob before I came over, so I wasn't surprised to see you know it all checked out. He, he's great and. You know, I remember when I was new to first grade um, and he'd always take me in the warm-up and be like, let's bowl to each other. And he was so supportive and such a nice bloke. He's great. Um, and, he, you know, not, nothing, nothing's too much for him. I'm pretty sure he's been playing with a broken finger for like the last 10 years. So he just still gets on with it. It's all good. Um, Glenn's been my second grade captain for, you know, majority of my time at the Bears. And as I said in my Q&A, you know, I feel like I've learned so much from him. He just, you know... He's, he's never say he's never say die attitude. It's just something that's blown me away. He's just doesn't matter what the situation is. He always rolls us up, keeps us in there. You know, there's been some hard hard 96 over slogs at North Sydney number two, and he's just he's just like unfazed by anything. Um, he cracks me up. It's just a it's just a really good. It's like a real uh, I hate to say that word again, but culture within second grade. Like, you know, we we. We try hard. We want to win every game, but it's also really enjoyable, and um, no one takes themselves too seriously. It's 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 great. And as a spin bowler, you know he played heaps of first grade as well. He's helped me out so much with my fields and, and things like that. So I can't speak highly enough of him. And James Aiken is just like the silent assassin. He just bowls a million overs a game. Just his his bowling is just crazy. Like he just nips them around. I've seen him make county batsmen look like absolute fools, and he can bat. He's just, and it's he's just great. It's just great having a GP in the team as well because 
you know, if I've got any underlying medical issues, I just go straight to him. <laughs> Obviously, if there's if there's an itch I can't scratch, mate, you know, I go straight to him. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> well, I think we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> but um, for those that know you, Sammy, and for um, and for those that have listened to the first twenty odd minutes from the, of the podcast, your style, your high energy, high humour, which is often a powerful tool for the established base. Real challenge for the for that often can be for those engagement for those that are starting out for the club. You're talking about how some of those older guys were with you when you were just coming across to UTS. How's it been a learning curve now that you're sort of stepping up into that type of leadership role and adjusting that sort of happy-go-lucky, high-energy, high humour into being able to sort of mentor the guys that are just starting out? Yeah, look, um, I probably – well, this is my second year of being um, club captain. In my first year, which was last year, I probably actually struggled a little bit because – my my natural kind of uh, my, my natural way of life is just to bant people up like nonstop. So I was probably I was probably taking the piss out of some of the new guys and the young guys a bit too much. Like I'd always go up and be like, "Hey, I'm you know I'm Sam, club captain. It's great to have you on board." Yada yada. But I have been known to carry on a bit too much. I'm the first to admit that. Um, so it really helped having two guys with me. My other club captain, Cameron New, was just he's. He's like the he's the yin to my yang, you know. He's he's much more calmer, unassuming. So he'd kind of balance us out a little bit. Um, and a guy called Ben Bryant, who's actually gone over to Manly this year. Uh, ben is really great because he's done like high school teaching and stuff like that. So he had, you know, we had a bonding day, and Benny had all these games where you had to, you know, just ways of remembering everyone's name. And if you forget someone's name, you got to take off a piece of clothing and things like that. Um, safe to say I was nude within 15 minutes tough to say <laughs> but um, I wasn't playing that game no one would want to see that oh go on mate go on we all want to see it oh. <laughs> no you don't no you don't but, someone get no. back to the other phone mate I want to know what it looks like dad bots are the extreme probably mate dad bots are in brother dad bots are in so, but yeah, so no, it seems to it seems to have kind of come come a long way now. Now that everyone's really settled in and comfortable, um, I don't know. We're all just gelling really well. It it, it feels great. Um, you know, I, I try to get as many initiatives and social events and things like that going as possible. But it's been, you know, obviously this this coronavirus thing has been the the bane of my existence because every time I try to organise something, it's like, well, you can only have ten people or just, you know, it's always changing. Um, so that's been an absolute nightmare, but honestly, the, the way, the way we're going, the way everyone's fitting in, I just think the, the only way is up and we're just going to, we've just got like a great 10 years ahead of us. It's going to be sick. I, you know, see, Anthony, I didn't mention a five year, five year plan, brother. It's a 10 year plan. Any plan. Good, good. Well, I hope a certain, I hope a certain so-called journalist is listening into that. Yeah. Um, we are going to take our drinks break here on Splinters and we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Uh, make sure you stay here. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, Spotify and YouTube Music. We'll be right back. Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Stores, Spotify, and YouTube Music. We are joined here by our special guest, Sam Alexander, the club captain of UTS North Sydney District Cricket Club, and talking about his experience. We've been going through a little bit in terms of the club culture with um, within 
um, UTS North Sydney, how much that's developed over the last couple of years. One last question before we move on to your experience with the fallout from today's tale. And I wanted to ask you, now that club culture and identity has been identified, how are you working with the committee and players to make it sustainable and also ensure that you, you personally don't burn yourself out? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't think there's any um, there's any chance of me burning myself out because I, you know, when you find something you really enjoy, it's the old cliche it doesn't feel like work, you know. So I love the social side of cricket is my favorite. If you haven't gathered that by now, it's my favorite part of playing cricket. Um, so every time I'm organising an event, you know, I just I just take it head on because I just enjoy. It. I want to go to the social event, so I'm happy to organise it. And nothing makes me happier than seeing a huge group of guys, you know, we're getting all these, t- especially wearing the same thing, we're getting all these T-shirts made up. I love to see a big group of guys all wearing the same shirt, absolutely having a ripping time. That's what makes me happy. So it doesn't really burn me out at all. And I've got a really good relationship with the committee, especially um, Rob Lavery and Pat Lindsay. Um, we just have a really good dialogue and it just seems like I can come to them with any idea and, and you know, more often than not, they're not, they'll be like, mate, go for it. it sounds great. Because um, as I said earlier, I think maybe that maybe the club was yearning a bit for for someone to just just drive that social side um, and really get people involved. It was it was a little bit tougher last year. I had a few few times where I thought I had a great idea and a really good social event and and didn't get the numbers that I thought I would. Um, but as I said earlier, you know, so many guys have jumped on board this year the numbers are just going up and up and up and people are realising how good these social events are. So to answer your question, burnout I don't think is a problem. And while I work with the committee, it's just, you know, they're, they're really supportive um, of most things, which is great. And I've got a few more ideas for this year, like a ladies' day um, and plenty of other things, if we can, with coronavirus and all that. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, I think if I can hang around for quite a while, which I plan on doing, um, and just keep doing the same old thing, and maybe I, I've identified a few guys come through the grades, so I think we'd do a oh, not so much come through the grades, but a few young guys who have joined the club who who would be really good club captains. And there you, you know, Mac Jenkins is one that I think would be really a really good club captain. All the younger guys really look up to him and respect him, and Jacob Graham as well. Ever since he like the yak, he's just. He's an enigma. You know, everyone gets around him. He's just, you know, and he's captaining third grade. He, he commands a lot of that respect as well. So there's guys in the club who you could pass the baton to and they'll do a really good job. All right. Well, with that, we'll move on to our second part. And um, I guess the first question we've got is from in regards to your your experience from the interview with today's tale. Um, and just in a couple, I guess, in a couple of sentences, um, we asked Paul Ryan, along with our good mate Andrew Prentice, about the demise of local print sports media. And given your line of work and what you've experienced, what's your take on what's been going on with sports media and where do you think that's going? Yeah, a bit of a tough one. Um, I feel like I feel like publications aren't as impartial as they used to be. Um, I feel like there's quite often now uh, a, a hit, you know, an agenda to a lot of articles. Um, or, you know, not so much an article, but quite often there's it might be PR. There's like a PR spin to things or, or also publications are getting desperate to get money. You know, there's just no revenue in it anymore. So quite often I know, I know Fox sports has been taking quite a hit uh, reputation wise online. A lot of people are getting stuck into Fox sports just for a few, 
a few stories they've published. Quite often, it's not even Fox Sports actually publishing the story. It'll be a story from you know the Sun or something like that. But they've got rights to to use it. And why why wouldn't you if you're going to get clicks? You know, money is made by clicks. But um, yeah, I, yeah. Look, it, it's a tough one. Um, I think I think also coronavirus was used as a massive scapegoat to sack a lot of people. I think. You know, a lot of publications um, are looking at cutting staff and cutting cost, and then coronavirus comes along. And they go, "Oh, perfect! You know, oh, you know, we've lost all this revenue. We've got to sack 60% of our staff." Where that 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 might not have been the case. Like me personally, I lost I lost work for about three months, um, and now I'm back only a few days a week. Um, but yeah, look, I, 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 a few you know, cynics will say journalism is dead. Um, there's definitely not as much funding going into original reporting, original journalism. Um, there's and there's a lot of just doing write-offs, you know, like a lot of online publications will just say, we'll get a story and say, take all the quotes, take all the story and just say, so-and-so said in the Daily Telegraph. So they'll just take a story from the Sydney Morning Herald, the Daily Telegraph, and just put some words around it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, really, I really think independent journalism is going down the gurgler um unless you know the aap the aap is impartial and they just report it as they see it um but there's not as much problem with the aap is it's quite dry reporting in my opinion um and you know like they don't have opinion pieces and things like that where it kind of it kind of challenges people's beliefs see i've got a bit of a problem with uh with you know cricket reporting in the fact that it seems like there's a lot of guys just regurgitating each other's ideas. Someone will write something for the Sydney Morning Herald and then it'll get picked up by someone at the Daily Telegraph and then it'll get picked up by someone somewhere else. And they're all just spinning the same dialogue and the same story. And I feel like there's just no originality. Quite often, you know, a lot of these guys don't actually understand the nuances of playing cricket because a lot of them haven't played proper competitive cricket. And that's not to take like an elitist approach and say oh you know you, you guys don't get it because you didn't play it it's just saying there's there's a few things that you miss out on through not playing your higher grades of cricket or you know even you know things like that so i think i think there's a huge dialogue of cricket that gets missed out on and i think a lot of guys is just saying the same thing and these are the guys look everything we read is contributing to the dialogue of cricket in australia so everything we're consuming you know who's it coming from, and and who are these guys to be making these points and facts? So, uh, I, I, look, long story short, I'm a bit concerned for the future of sports media. I think it's probably on the way out, and it's going to turn into a more of a tabloidy thing where journal, journalism is essentially just rewriting, um, you know, sports stars' Instagram posts and things like that. Oh, so and so said this on his Instagram. You know, um, the the future's bleak, in my opinion. Well, obviously, you haven't gone back and read Anthony's um, work on today's tale. Um, it said, riveting, uh, the day in the life of a cricket treasurer. Like, I'm still just always just when I need some inspiration, I go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> so it said, there's some definitely some original content out there if you uh, want to look up Anthony Caruso on today's tale. Um, <laughs> but... Um, a little bit more fun here. Um, obviously, you did that interview with Today's Tale, but you also had the much-publicised experience against playing against David Warner. What did you enjoy more and why? What did I enjoy more? Of the Q&A or the David Warner thing? Is yeah. That, 
Yeah. Well, I, I didn't enjoy the backlash for the David Warner article. I'll tell you that for free. Jesus. The big fella's got a few fans out there. But, <laughs> um, which I didn't really how, how, much of that, how much of that do you reckon was um, bundled up by Roxy Jacinko? Yeah, look, she, she did actually – or someone from his team famously did call up the Fox Sports office after that article ran and said, you know, what do you think you're doing? This is a disgrace. Uh, Hi Roxy. And, yeah, yeah, and we're kind of like, we're kind of like, what? Like, he won three nil. The other, I, I gave him more than I took. You know, everyone's like, you kicked him when he was down. I was like, he won. He won three nil. So I didn't really get it. But so Fox Sports had to write an article about what a good bloke he is after that to uh, to make up for it, uh, which is quite simply embarrassing. But regardless, um, I, I definitely really enjoyed the Q and A. The Q and A was good fun. Um, I didn't, you know, I tried to put a bit of a light spin on it rather than, you know, I don't think anyone would be too interested in my, in my amateur cricket career. But, um, no, no, I don't know. It, it, was, it was interesting going up against, like, obviously I really didn't have much to do with David Warner. I don't even know how I got an article out of it, but I managed to put a few words together and it went up and just when, some, yeah. people, some people just took it to heart, eh? Like, I just couldn't believe how rattled some people got by, like, my little first person opinion. And this is what comes down to, it boils down to what I was saying before. Some people just take themselves way too seriously. Like it was just a first person account of a first grade rookie coming up against an international cricketer. It was written with tongue in cheek and some people just get, it's funny how rolled up people get like, who cares what I think? I'm a nobody. And some people seem to get so upset by it. So it, it is actually quite funny. Um, and I, you know, I'm someone who doesn't really let anything get to me, but some people, really let it get under their skin and and that showed but anyway yeah. um, following, following, comments, following comments that you made with regards to blowing up cricket in new south wales and this is one that matt mears wanted me to bring in i think it's a great question um look there are elements within that within that uh that op-ed that you gave about what needs to be done with cricket in new south wales that we couldn't agree with more especially with the way that they're sort of <laughs> pushing pushing kids ahead of players that are that are uh, more established. And Mizi, you, know, you picked this up on, on this absolutely brilliantly, I should point out, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. But what steps do you think need to be taken in the rebuild of Cricket New South Wales? What if step? you were to blow it up. Well, I, just to me, it just seems absolutely black and white. I, I honestly don't understand how hard it is to work out who the best cricketers in New South Wales are. They've got inside their own heads. They've confused it all. You know, like the stats are there. We know everyone who plays great cricket knows who the best cricketers are. Yet, as I said, performances in under-19s cricket seem to weigh more than performances in first grade. It's like you're playing against blokes your own age. You know, some guys are going to do well against people their own age and then struggle at men's cricket. So it, it just, it, I don't know. I, I, I look at it in black and white and I go, like, how can this be so hard? Essentially, you just pick the best players. It's just, you know, people will talk to you about Moneyball and things like that, you know, whatever. But there's guys, you know, like they piss Nick Maddinson off. Um, they're like, oh, you know, we're wasting enough time with you. The bloke was 26 years old. Um, then he goes down to Melbourne and starts killing it. Um, look, I, I don't know. You, you, you asked me how, how I'd fix it. It's essentially blow it up and start again. I'd get rid of their whole administration. I feel like look, most of them have no idea what they're doing. Um there's absolute propaganda coming out of that place like no tomorrow. It's just rub- rubbish on rubbish on rubbish. Uh, if you're not liked, you won't get picked. That's essentially it. doesn't matter what you do. Um, and then you've got New South Wales cricketers going interstate, getting, 
getting a crack, doing well, and then New South Wales go, oh, we'll have you back. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And Adam, then, Z- Adam Zampa, anyone? Adam Zampa, 100%, even though he didn't even do that well. in Chris Tremaine. He did horrendously. And then, you know, um, oh, and then you get guys who have been there since they're 20 years old, did absolutely nothing. They get picked when they're 20 because they look good. Um, you know, it, and, and actually this is a point in Moneyball. They say they pick guys because they're baseball fit, but they never do anything. Oh, but he looks good. He looks like he's baseball ready. It's the same with cricket. They go, oh, this guy hits a big ball in the nets. Oh, he'll be good one day. Five years later, they've pilfered 150K into the bloke. And they go, oh, well, shit, we've already, we've already put six figures into him. We can't let him go now. It's like you are, you are ruining careers of guys who are killing it. There's guys in first grade who could dead set sue for loss of income because they should have been picked for New South Wales. Like, and, and, they're just, and, and it gets to a point where you'd be going, what do I have to do? Oh, they don't like me, but I don't want to move into state. I don't want to pack my life up and move to Victoria. I'm a good enough cricketer to play state cricket, but so and so doesn't think I'm I'm good enough. Jeff Lawson has ruined about 10 million careers. The bloke has absolutely no idea. If he doesn't like you, you don't get picked. The sooner they get rid of like these blokes with misconceived ideas, the better. They've got no idea. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think- uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, Caruso. I was going to say, I think it's time we might, we might change the mood a little bit, shall we? Yeah. Oh, mate. I guess well, it's just fired up. But, yeah. yeah. It, well, as it, I said, it, I don't think we'll let you go anymore. We, we want you to keep your first grade spot there at North Sydney. But as I said, my, my experience in the little bit of experience that I have is that it, it's just one of those things that just seems, and, and I've had someone inside Cricket New South Wales tell me this on the down low, is that it seems to be more about we've got two BBL teams to fill rather than one Sheffield Shield side to fill. And that's all the focus is on finding that next big T20 star, and you've got to find them at that 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old age. If you're not found by then, then you're done. And that yeah, just it, it gives the wrong impression guys, to everybody. There's guys killing it. The King's Grove T20 Cup, there's guys killing it. They don't I agree. Of it. They literally I don't know. give a shit. What's the point of the King's Grove T20 Cup? Because there's people in these academy squads who have done absolutely nothing, mm. nothing at T20 level in the Kingsroads in the Kingsroads Cup, and they get a run. And it's just like, what? The, oh, they're part of the Sixers Academy squad. And I'll, I'm looking at it, going, who are half these blokes? What have they done? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's just ridiculous. Just, Honestly, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Sammy. So we get out there, we call some of these games, and the names that we repeatedly are, are putting over and seeing getting these big scores, but not rewarded for it. It, it is. It is. It's just Crazy. a joke. Crazy. And they, you know, they don't want they don't want some of the New South Wales players to go to other states. So they go, oh, we'll give you a fifty grand New South Wales contract, but we'll throw you one for the Sixers for seventy grand. You know, so it's like, I just, it, yeah, you know, it's just a nightmare. It's an absolute shambles. How about we get on to those fun questions? I like that idea, Curry. So. So, Sammy, not many people would know about this, but you were part of the internationally recognised backyard cricketer videos that came out a few years ago. How did you get roped into that, and how did it feel like to be part of a side project that went so viral? Oh, mate, it was great. Um, I don't know. Me and me and a few boys that I played with at Manly, Sam Weber, Joe Rawlings and Reese Hodge, we just, put, we just started playing in his backyard, and we thought, oh, we'll start filming it like in case anything crazy happened. And then next minute, look, I, I won't lie, Sammy Sammy Webber was just the brains behind the whole thing, and he just went he went gangbusters with it. He goes, oh no, nah, you know, I got heaps of free time. I'm going to start producing it. 
So he starts putting commentary behind it, and then next minute, you know, I just started spitballing. Next minute, we had GoPro set up, and he worked out how to do Hotspot and Snicko, and he'd put game com- he'd find game commentary. He'd go through YouTube videos and find game commentary that matches up with a ball that we bowled in our backyard and put it behind it. The guy spent hours on it. Um, and, yeah, so I just went gangbusters. Like, you know, people just loved it. They loved it. And I couldn't believe people actually watched the whole thing. Not, not even. I, I'd, you know, I'd get five minutes in and I'd be like, geez, how, how do people watch this rubbish? But it, it was great. Everyone loved it. Um, and then we ended up getting hit up by Uber and Optus to do an ad with Billy Bowden. Um which was so like meeting meeting Billy Bowden was sick, and then getting paid to do an ad with him was just awesome. Um, just doing, I think Uber did an initiative where they drove around backyard cricket umpires. You could order an umpire for your backyard cricket game on Australia Day. It was something it was something bizarre. I can't imagine ever doing that, but you could apparently. And we spent the whole. Day you'd fire a few people. Oh, I love firing people, mate. Just like ask Guy Davies, mate. I gave him, I fired him like you wouldn't believe. In my when I was a 16 year old playing fourth grade, umpiring our own game, I sent him packing. But um, but yeah, no, it was great. It was it was it was so much fun. And then I'd I'd play on Saturdays, and the big guys being like, um, the guys going, you know, I'd be bowling or batting or something, and they'd be like, oh, are you are you in the backyard cricket? I'd be like, oh yeah. They'd be like, mate, I used to love watching that. Um, Still, it didn't stop me copying a spray as they snicked me off. But regardless, it was it was good fun. Um, and then, and yeah, so we just we loved it. And then it got to a point we got through like halfway through a Natchez series, and then Sam's hard drive got like corrupted or something. We lost like two days of vision. Um, and then it kind of stopped there. We all just we were all at uni or getting jobs and stuff. We all got too busy to keep doing it. Um, but there's a few on there with like a million views on them. So I, I think Sammy still gets some money from it, but. Yeah, it was great. Well, I said you, you get a little, you get a little one behind the curtain there. Former, uh, well, two B Wallaby Reese Hodge also in the video. It's probably another lesser known fact as well about those uh, videos as well. Yeah, sometimes I see in the comments people like, "Oh, is that Reese Hodge who plays for the Wallaby?" <laughs> yeah, it's like he's like, yeah, "Yeah." So we get into him about that. There's a few comments on there where where I famously let my competitive side get the best of me and. Um, there's a few comments saying that I look like I'm the guy in PE who tries too hard, which is tough, <laughs> tough to see. Recently. I'm, I'm used to copying sprays in the comments, so it's I've developed a bit of a thick skin these days. Recently, you've branched out to play a bit of a comedic support role with your good mate, Billy Darcy. Um, now, funnily enough, a lot of people don't actually know this. He actually has a cricket record, and we'll get to that in a moment. Oh, but what's it, like, what's it like trying to play the straight man to the person who could be considered the next Rodney Rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, it took a few takes to try and keep a straight face because if you saw the outtakes, I'm pissing myself at most of them. Um, so we had to we had to re- rehearse each joke about six times over. But, uh, yeah, some, some of you may not know this, but Billy and I both famously got laid off from our jobs at the same time um, due to coronavirus. So we were both sitting around the house like a couple of dead shits and we're like, what, what are we doing? You know, we're just absolutely pilfering ScoMo's dollar with not, not much to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, are... Um, pictures of ScoMo all over Caruso's house. Tread lightly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oi, oi Caruso. <laughs> tell ScoMo I'm loving that 700 a week, brother. <laughs> tell him oh, I'm enjoying I'll, it, mate. I'll, I'll let him I'm know. I'm going to go back to work, mate. I love this. This is a treat. <laughs> 
This is now, of course, we we can't go without giving giving Billy Darcy another spray here because, um, as we mentioned before, he does hold a cricket record. He holds the record in shires for the highest first grade um, stand, I think, in any grade. And it was, I am not kidding, and it was a stand, I kid you not, of 314 with a good mate of ours, the tree himself, Daniel Plant. You're kidding. I didn't know that. <laughs> he, he does. He Darcy scored 148 of them against Mounties. Well, I'm surprised he doesn't remind us about that. He never talks about that at all. Normally he just talks about how average he is in fourth grade these days. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think it may have been because about three of the guys, three of the people playing in that Mounties team were probably about 12 years old, but, you know. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be right. But still, yeah. you've got to, you still got to score them and get dropped about four times on the way as well. Oh, I'll have to ask him uh, about that tonight. Yeah, yeah you might have to. Yeah, good on it. Oh, well. The last one, the last one, Mizzy. Well, uh, you said that some of your hobbies in the, in the Q&A involve aggressive banter and making enemies for life. Well... Welcome to Splinters. Um, has there been a moment on or off the field where it has come to life and how many? How did you actually manage to survive at the end of the fallout of it? Oh, Mizzy, how much time have you got, mate? <laughs> mate, we've got plenty of time. We can go in overtime. <laughs> mate, mate I, I, don't know, I don't know where to begin, what example to begin with. I'm, I, I think well, I'm we'll, basically... just, we'll just say that we're still happy that you're here, but yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm, I'm essentially public enemy number one down at Manly Wharf Bar. Jeez, I don't think I can show my face, face there ever again. <laughs> but, I don't know. I just need to get under people's skin, to be honest, because I don't think anyone speaks their mind anymore these days. So it seems like every time I say something that's considered not PR or... It's like everyone's just scared of hearing the truth. So as soon as I say, say something that's on my mind or how I feel, everyone seems to lose their mind about it. Um like you can't do anything that you want these days or anything that you think is right how have the return matches for you against manly been have there been any sort of stories that have come out of it oh oh yeah so the first one that i played at um the first return match was a t20 at manly oval um it was a sunday it was my first year at the bears first year that i went over the bears i got picked on the first grade t20 playing at Manly Oval, and I'd actually gone to the Manly 140-year dinner the night before. Um, and, you know, Christ. everyone's... Oh, actually, it had been a shambolic three days for the big fella because on Friday, on the Friday, I went for a net with Ryan Farrell, and he blasted the ball back at me, hit me back in the head, gave me a concussion. I was absolutely written off. Didn't even know what day of the week it was. Um, then the GP that I mentioned in our North team on the Saturday was like, mate, do not take the field. We've got 96 overs again. Gordon at Chatswood Oval, and it's 40 degrees. Do not take the field. Um, and everyone was like, mate, don't be a soft cock, take the field. So I ended up playing <laughs> and bowling 12 of the worst overs of my entire life. Um, and then that night, I had to go to this 140-year dinner. And I don't know, I was just on the waters all night. And, you know, I was just so, like, I'd already spent 140 bucks on the dinner, so I was like, I'm just going to go. Um, and I just had all these, you know, people coming up to me being like, oh, mate, oh, tomorrow we're going to get into you. I was like, yeah, yeah you know, whatever. Um, and I'd just written my Warner article at the time, so a few, uh, a, a few of the big dogs were being a bit sheepish around me, um, for whatever reason. I seem to think they're com- comrades of Warner or protectors of Warner or some rubbish. But anyway, so I turn up, turn up to the game the next day, end up playing, and uh, I'll never forget this. So I'm running into bowl, and I bowl into Chris Green. He blocks the first one, fair enough. Second one, I send it down. He hits me on the Sydney Road. I'm pretty sure they picked the ball up at Wharf, but it went that far. 
So, and while they're looking for the ball, uh, Grandy comes down and he's like, he goes, I thought he was saying bowling baby. I thought he was calling me baby. I was like, oh, what a treat. You know, I'm looking pretty good. Um, but he was saying bowling. He's a good looking man, Chris Green. Oh, yeah, I know. I thought, oh, yeah, I feel like some of the young women from Manly. Uh, and he goes, but he was saying bowling Davy. And I was like, what? What? And so he's like, bowling Davy. And I was like, okay. I like, absolutely no idea what he's talking about. So he takes a single, comes up the other end, and he goes, he goes, that was a shit article, mate. <laughs> I go, all right, brother, thanks for the read. You know, jog on. Um, and then he's like, and he goes, he goes, you breached the inner sanctum, mate. You breached the inner sanctum. What happens on the field stays on the field, mate. I'm like, Jesus Christ, mate, are you that rattled? Yeah, you can give it a rest. So... I'm running into bowl, and as I'm about to bowl it, he like whispers, uh, "Shit article, like you're a shit writer or something like that." So I, I pull out a bowling, and my captain at the time, Tom Jago, goes, "He's like Greeny, just shut up, mate." And Greeny just starts losing his mind. He's like, "Mate, mate, that was the worst article I've ever read, mate, <laughs> mate. You don't know who you're talking about, mate." I was like, "Jesus Christ, Greeny, are you and Davey best mates or something?" Like, mate, good to see you're not rattled, brother. Fucking hell. Anyway, so I um I uh. Running the bowl, uh, Jay Lennon takes a single, bowling to Granny again. He snicks it. I, I'm just thinking, don't say anything, Sam. Just don't say anything. You'll get him out. And I'm going to give him an absolute send off. So I snick him, snick him off. James Crossway drops the catch behind the stumps. Oh. Granny, Granny starts giving it to me. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, fair enough. There's only so much you can do. I proceed to get hit by for another bomb by Jay Lennon and I was swiftly taken out of the attack. Um, and then they ended up winning and. I'll never forget, at the end of the game, I was like, oh, fair play, Granny, go to shake his hand. He dodges my handshake. I go, well, that's tough, that's tough to see. Um, so at the end of the game, I remember seeing him at the lights. We were all going to walk by. I see him at the lights. I'm like, oh, mate, you're all good. You're all good. You got your spray out. Are you happy now? He's like, oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Didn't see you there. So I was like, yeah, whatever, mate. Um, so that was probably that was probably my first run in. And I thought, oh, well, that's going to set the precedent for the rest of my run-ins with Manly. And all the lads on the hill were like, I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to cop it from the hill here. The, the thing I've created is, is going to come back to, to haunt me. Um, but they were like, oh, no, it turns out they were all like, oh, we're all going to be silent when he bowls. Uh, but then when I got hit for a bomb, they were all absolutely giving me assholes, which was, <laughs> look, fair play. I would have done exactly the same thing. Uh, and then... So I played them in second grade. Oh, I was meant to play them in first grade later that year, and then I broke my finger at training. Uh, one of one of, one of Jason Crazy's short balls, mate. He, he still got it. I'll give you the hot tip. And then, yeah, so I played them the next year in second grade, and it was just really good. I, we It was a delayed start because of rain, and I was just chatting out the front with all the boys. It felt like it felt like I hadn't even left. So it was really good. It seems like, I don't know, it might be might be a bit of a first grade thing where um, there might be a, bit, a few bruised egos up there, but... Everyone, everyone from twos down seems to be pretty good. Um, seems to, I don't, I don't think they really let anything like that get to them. And every, you know, the majority of the club's pretty sweet. I think there's just a few people who maybe take themselves a bit too seriously and get get a bit too upset with what people think. So that's seemed to come across a bit. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is um, that is stumps here on splinters. And I've got to say, probably one of the one of the more enjoyable uh, episodes we have done here in some time. Um, I want to thank our guest, Sam Alexander, for joining us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. We look forward to having you again, and we probably look forward, Matt Mears and I, maybe to making a visit to North Sydney Oval for the Kingsgrove T20 Cup. Well, oh, uh, we'd love that, boys. We'd absolutely love that. Also, Anthony, we're looking for a fifth-grade captain, mate, so if you're interested, we'd love to see you put your name forward, brother. 
Is that an official offer? Well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm only the humble club captain, mate. I can't make official offers, but I can, I can show interest, and that's what I'm doing, mate. I'm showing interest in you, mate. The king of Tunks Park, Anthony Caruso. I see it now. Oh, there's he. <laughs> Sing it loud, brother. As long as I'm opening the bowling at the other end, it's all good. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. Right, we're going to have to talk about that one. We'll, we'll we might take this one offline, yeah. Definitely. So, Sam Alexander, thank you for joining us here on Splinters. Ah, good on you. Thank you, boys. Good to chat. That means always a pleasure once again. Mate, it's great. Pick the, pick the good episodes to come on, mate. Sammy's a legend. I look forward to going back and watching some of those old backyard cricket videos, and I'm rereading that Davey Warner article. Oh, oh treat God. yourself, busy. Treat yourself, brother. <laughs> I love you, that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, that is Splinters the Bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music and Moises Enriquez's favourite app, Spotify. <laughs> this is Anthony the Bull Caruso. Once again, a run hard or run home. Good night. Good night.